The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. It is good to have you with us today on Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society as we think about evangelism. Have you ever heard people say that evangelism is the only thing we're really left on earth to do? Because everything else that we would do as a Christian, we can do in heaven, like worshiping and glorifying God, but there won't be any evangelism to do in heaven. What do you think about that? Well, Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates have some thoughts about it, and they're going to share them with you in just a moment. In the meantime, I'd like to invite you to visit faithalone.org, our website, which is just full of products and recordings and videos and resources, even a free subscription to our magazine, Grace in Focus. I'll tell you more about it after the discussion you're going to hear right now with Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. Gentlemen. Well, hello again, peeps. I'm Bob Wilkin here with... Ken Yates. Ken Yates, our beloved colonel and El Jefe of our international ministry, the the chief, the leader of our international ministry. I love it when we answer these questions together. It's just a lot of fun. Okay, and I got one from Doug. Doug, okay. Doug has a question, and it concerns evangelism. And he says, is evangelism the ultimate, ultimate purpose of the Christian life? He said the question came up in his church recently. The one leading the discussion insisted that winning people to Jesus is the ultimate purpose of the Christian life. Is that really true? He goes, I know it is a part of the Christian life, but in Scripture it seems to be only a part, not the main purpose. You know, I have a pet peeve on this. Okay, give the, it to us. My pet peeve is not only is it not the ultimate purpose of the believer, it's a purpose. It's not the purpose, and it's not even one of the leading purposes except in the case of your own family and friends. In other words, parents should not be taking their children to church thinking, okay, the youth pastor is going to evangelize them. That's not my job. Right. The pastor's going to evangelize them. That's not my job. Somebody at Awana is going to evangelize them. That's not my job. The parents should be saying, we evangelize them at home, and then we come to church so that they will keep on teaching the things we teach at home, right? Yeah, it's. I'm glad you brought that up because in the churches that I was a part of when I was growing up, you heard it all the time. Bring your friends to church so they can be saved. Bring your church friends to church so they can hear the gospel. You know, we're going to have a revival where we're going to get people saved. And that became the purpose of the church. So when Doug asked this question, you know there's listeners who are going to say, well, yeah, that's that's the purpose. That's what we're called to do, bring souls into the kingdom. Well, haven't you even been in churches, and it sounds like that was one of them, where the purpose of the sermon is not to train up the believers in how to grow in the faith and how to glorify God and how to be prepared to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. But instead, the purpose of the sermon is to evangelize the unbelievers who are present. And how many times do you hear people say, man, every week I come, they're just telling me how to go to heaven. You know, I already know I'm going to heaven. I don't need to hear that. People complain about that. See, I have no problem with... At the very end of the message, a short or somewhere along the way, a short, clear statement that the Lord Jesus died on the cross for our sins and removed the sin barrier, 
And he rose from the dead so that if we simply believe in him, we have everlasting life because he said, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And it's really that simple. If people ended with something like that or stuck that in at somewhere in the message, I wouldn't be offended. I wouldn't have any problem. But if you're giving a message let's say, on, you know, Ephesians 6, 1 to 4, (laughs) and children submitting to the parents and parents bringing up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, well then, at best, the saving message is just simply a side note in that message. And I don't want a whole message each week that's a revival message, right? Because that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to build up the saints. And, and that's it, certainly what you read in the epistles, right? right in the epistles, right. how much is on evangelism? Actually, <laughs> I can't think of any right. other than do the work of an evangelist. Paul tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. But Timothy was not your typical church member. In fact, he wasn't even a pastor exactly. He was what we would call a delegate of an apostle, an apostolic delegate, which means he wasn't quite an apostle, but he was above the elders in a local church. In fact, he appointed elders, evidently, in Ephesus. As Paul's representative. As Paul's representative. So what we can say for sure is that 99% of the epistles do not deal with evangelism. Right. Of course, what people want to do is they want to go to verses like the Great Commission in Matthew or the Great Commission in Mark, which the Great Commission in Mark is evangelistic, whereas the Great Commission in Matthew is discipleship, just like the Great Commission in Luke is discipleship. But they want to go and say, you know, we should be going and making disciples, and that means we first evangelize them. Well, I would agree based on What we talked about uh, last week with Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6, about fathers teaching their children, or the same thing in Ephesians 6, 3 and 4, that parents should be evangelizing their kids, right? Oh, absolutely. I I mean, that's a given. Right. Okay, and I think it's also a given that children should evangelize their parents. If the children come to faith and the parents aren't believers— the children ought to be praying for an opportunity, right? I mean, that happened to me. I came to faith in college, and I prayed for opportunities, and then I shared my faith with my parents. And one of the things Mother told me that my cousin Debbie used to always tell her is she very much appreciated the fact that I wasn't pushing my faith on her because she had another relative that was constantly evangelizing her, even when she didn't want to hear it, even when she wasn't receptive, they would just try to force it on her. It's not that I wasn't ready at any moment to talk to him about Christ. I wanted to, but I wanted it to be something they wanted to hear. Because a lot of people, and you've been around such people, they're really not interested in hearing it. Of course, we can say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about such and so, but that often doesn't work real well. So it it really would be better if you're going to ask them, be better just to say, you know, did you know that you can be sure that you're going to spend eternity with the Lord in his kingdom? And I also think that evangelism, that's what we're going to call it, or winning people to Jesus, giving them the message of eternal life. Right. 
I've always had a problem with this. We'll bring them to church. You know, I think the evangelism. Yeah, bring them to the professional. Yeah, bring them to the professional where I think it's, I used to tell people when I was in the military that if you're a mechanic down at the motor pool, another mechanic is much more likely to hear the gospel from you if you're a mechanic than it is from me as the chaplain. Right. You know, so as you mentioned, your family, your friends, the people you're around, the people who know you versus me just walking up to them saying, let me uh, lead you to Jesus here. You're you're much more likely to have an opportunity to talk to them about the Lord and about the gospel of eternal life. Well, we're going to do a conference. By the time this airs, the conference will be over, but we're doing a conference on guilt-free evangelism. And I think that's so important because so many people think it's their job in life to evangelize. So if that's your primary purpose, how often should you be sharing your faith? Well, if that's your primary purpose, you'd be doing it all the time. It'd have to be every day at least, right? right? In other words, if you went a day without doing it, you're worthless, right? right? Because that's your primary purpose. And so there are people, I've met such people that think if I don't evangelize someone by, let's say, seven or eight at night, I'm just going to go to the mall or I'm going to go to the airport or I'm going to go to the bus station. I'm going to walk up to a stranger and I'm going to talk to him about Christ. And they do that every day because they have to. They don't feel like they've accomplished anything if they don't do that. And it becomes a legalistic block that you check. I think so. And on top of all that, it's not necessarily very effective because I found when I was on staff with Campus Crusade and I had to talk one-on-one with at least 10 people a week and I had to get all the way through the prayer and the four laws. So I had to read all four laws and the prayer and say, would you like to pray to receive Christ? So if you only got through three of the laws, that didn't count. Didn't count as witnessing yeah, so you had to do someone else. Oh, yeah, man. go again. So I found that it got to the point where people were just some means by which I check things off my checklist. And it was hard because I didn't want to think that way. And I kind of rationalized I didn't. But oftentimes it was just I got to get my quota. And then people would see you coming and avoid you. Yeah. Sure. And then you think, I'm suffering for Jesus. I was probably suffering for my stupidity. <laughs> right? So to answer... I'm not saying we shouldn't share our faith. Sure. I'm not saying crew doesn't have a great ministry. It does. Or navigators or university or whatever. What I'm saying is, I remember I went witnessing when I was on staff with Crusade. My first year I was working over at SMU with other Campus Crusade staff witnessing. And I went witnessing with another Campus Crusade staff member, and he said, Bob, you didn't let the person talk. I said, yeah, but if I let him talk, I'll never get through the four laws. <laughs> I don't get to chuck this guy off yeah. as one of my ten. <laughs> and this guy said, I'm appalled at what you did. <laughs> well, as we close this up, would you say there is a primary purpose? of the, He asked, is this the primary purpose of the Christian life? And we both agree it's not. No. So would we say there is a primary purpose, such as becoming more like Christ or edifying the body or edifying, glorifying God or glorifying God by doing these. You know, right. right. Ultimately, you're to be a godly husband, a godly wife, a godly parent, a godly employer, a godly employee, a godly driver, a godly person in your local church, right? A godly person in your community. Somebody that's light in the world. In fact, you've got a shirt on that says, be the salt and the light. That's exactly right. And that includes a lot more than evangelism. It does. Now, evangelism is a part, right? especially when it comes to your own family and friends. But it's not the only thing. And it's a mistake to think that way. And you're right. It's a mistake to think that way legalistic. Let me close with one 
quick example. When I was in Dallas Seminary, we had a discussion. We were asked, when you're pastoring, how are you going to evangelize people? And this one guy in the class blew me away. He said, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I have the gift of teaching, so I'm not going to witness to anybody. The people in my church who have the gift of evangelism will evangelize, and I'll teach. I thought that was kind of (laughs) nutty. What do you think? Sure, anybody can evangelize. (laughs) You don't have to have the gift. (laughs) Right? Right. All right, keep grace. And focus. Amen. Thank you guys for that great discussion. Are you interested in finding other Free Grace Believers just like yourself in your area? Well, you can do that by going to our website, faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our website, we have a church tracker. It's an easy-to-use map that will help you locate those other Free Grace churches that might be in your area. So come visit us at the website and take advantage of our free church tracker. It's at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, you can find out more by going to faithalone.org. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question, comment, or some feedback. If you do, please don't hesitate to send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode of Grace in Focus, it will be Thanksgiving Day, and we're going to think about, do you have a thankful heart? Well, I hope you'll join us for the next episode. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.